Welcome to the Cine Girl Podcast. I'm Fran. And I'm Bryony. And this is the podcast where we talk about film and TV and the way it reflects different topics. So um, this episode is in honour of Pride Month and it's a celebration about the impact of LGBTQIA plus filmmaking in modern film industry. So um, yeah, yeah it's, it's exciting times. <laughs> uh, I know it was Pride Month in, in June. We're, we're behind the times, but that's fine because it's always important. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, we also have uh, two amazing guests that will join us yes. in a bit. Very excited. Our choice for this episode, I'll start with mine. I chose Bessie, directed by Dee Rees. And um, you chose... I chose Schitt's Creek, which is a uh, it's a TV series. It's on Netflix and it's um, written and created by Dan and Eugene Levy. Loved it. I have to say when it came out, I think I binge watched it in like a couple of days. Incredibly bingeable. It's yes. yeah, it's <laughs> I love it. I've seen it like three times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite it's really good. Uh, so I chose Bessie, and um, so Bessie is a, a film about the blues singer Bessie Smith, and it's directed by Dee Rees, and it features Queen Latifah that stars as um, Bessie Smith. She's awesome. I loved it, and it, essentially, it, it's an exploration of the life of Bessie Smith, um, including her rise to the top in the twenties, and um, just you know her life, her personal journey her her fought against racism sexism economic inequality and everything that she's you know managed to um overcome in her in in her life really so it's it's a beautiful story mm-hmm. um, i'm quite attached to it because i'm also a jazz musician so i, I didn't yeah, know that about I, you yeah i i used to play the double bass oh that is so cool yeah so um and i love jazz so uh because i started like in in sort of like a classical background but then i i carried on with jazz because that's really what, what i what i loved and oh. uh yeah i was playing in a jazz band so for me bessie's like whoa love you you're my hero the music in the film is is amazing so why did we choose what we chose yeah, your choice of Bessie was interesting because obviously we were sort of messaging about it mm. and you were kind of saying, oh, I, you know, I don't know whether to pick it because kind of the the queer element to it isn't the main focus of the film. Mm. But we decided that that didn't really matter because t- tell us tell us why, why you chose Bessie. No, well, I, I chose Bessie because um, I think the way Dee Rees uh, portrayed... Uh, two major elements in the film like you know we have a scene obviously you know her 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 bisexuality and also the racism you know the confrontation yeah. with the kk and just how bessie reacted like somehow Rees portrayed certain parts of the film uh by not creating you know like not becoming a symbolically defining moment of the film you know like she just I mean, that that was just Bessie's life. Bessie was bisexual. I know throughout her real, uh, you know, uh, biography that she was bisexual. And, you know, she was singing in, in sort of the, the Harlem circuit and other with, with other uh, blues singers like her. 
and and bisexuality was something that was there but it didn't define her like it wasn't what what I loved about it is that in most films that you see that are you know portraying queer elements you know uh, bisexuality is always like that defining moment but but yeah. but with this film it wasn't it was like you know like yep yeah, and she's also bisexual but you know we don't really care like that that's not what defines her that's you know that's part of her but it's it's not about that it's yeah. about her um her story her 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 jazz background her singing you know and that's what i loved about the film and that it, it wasn't focused on that it was uh, it was uh, you know always there but it 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 wasn't there <laughs> yeah no i totally agree like i remember so when i was when i was on my um screenwriting masters and we did this um like pitching project thing and i had written well i was planning on writing a feature that had a queer character in it um not the main character basically it was one of the characters dads was bisexual and it was like really viewed as a red flag they they were like kind of the people that we were pitching to they were like you know if you're gonna have uh, a queer character they should you know it should be sort of f you know focusing around that like otherwise we see that as a real issue and all of this and I remember sort of talking about it with my friends afterwards and we were all like that's so problematic that's a really really problematic view things don't have to be like the central story mm. for it to be important within the plot like yeah. and that's I think sometimes it's actually better to see they're there and it's not explained like why does it need to be explained yes I agree no exactly you know? that, and, and that's exactly what, what I loved about Bessie like there was no explanation although I think Part of that was obviously it was directed by Deerese, so um, I completely understand why she made that um, decision, which which was I think the best um, decision really. It was sort of it 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 normalized it, taking into account that you know back then in the twenties, I mean you know it was uh, it was a criminal offense, you know, so yeah. it, it 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 would have been a big thing for for Bessie, a female character just being very like open with her sexuality and just with yeah. having sex in general as well. Like, you know, she, I kind of, I was watching it kind of thinking, this is how we've seen male characters for, for so often on screen. Mm -hmm. But we hardly ever, we still hardly ever see that with women. Like, you know, yeah. just being like exploring their sexuality, having sex, and it's not this big deal. She's not, you know, called yeah you know horrible comments or anything like that it's just a thing i think i thought that was really great yeah no it was um so uh and uh yeah i love your choice what what made you um choose it so i was i was really struggling actually to to choose something that kind of really resonated with me and that i sort of i kind of connected with because you know, there are, there are, there were sort of a number of things I could have picked, I was considering, but then I thought I've watched Schitt's Creek for years and I've, I absolutely love it. And it was when I watched, so they had the most recent series of Schitt's Creek, which was the last series that was out quite recently on Netflix. And then they had like a making of Schitt's Creek where they kind of talked a lot more about the why behind, behind a lot of it. And that was when it, it kind of dawned on me. I hadn't even really thought about it, but Shit's Creek is literally, it's written in a world where there is no homophobia. Yes. So um, David, who is Dan Levy's character, he's pansexual um, and he 
goes in a relationship with a man and they get married and there's like absolutely no question about what people think about this. There's no kind of, there's, I think there's one episode where um, his fiance comes out to his parents, but even that, like his parents are like just completely cool with it. It's all, it's literally basically when I watched the, the about episode, um, Dan Levy said that he wrote a world that he wanted, like he wrote the ideal situation and they sort of discussed it and they were saying, oh, but you know, in a way, isn't it better to show the homophobia to show kind of, you know, what can still happen and why it shouldn't happen. And then they agreed, no, actually like the best way to show what should happen is to just show none of it at all. And for it to just be seen as a completely normal thing. And it just, that really, really comes across. And there's a quote that I absolutely love that's like kind of gone very viral. It like resonates with a lot of people and it's, I like the wine, not the label. Oh. And that was that was the way that they sort of discussed David and his mm. character and his sexuality. And it was so interesting yes. as well because the first series, David, is, he's obviously presented as like, you know, he's quite, he's a very charismatic character. Um, and he, you know, I think there is this assumption that he's gay. Like you sort of get that assumption from him quite quickly. And then they actually alter your expectations massively because he then starts sleeping with stevie who is a woman and it was kind of almost like it was a really clever play because you know normally you'd sort of be it would be the shock would be like if there's a male character and he sleeps with a man but they did the opposite and everyone i think everyone's kind of like oh just think you're right i mean there was always like this constant kind of fear of rejection in the story at some point you're always waiting for that moment oh my god when when yeah. are they gonna come out when, yeah and and it never happens and and i think that happened you know for me it sort of kicked in the first few episodes i'm like oh my god are, are they not gonna say anything oh so nothing and, and then eventually sort of i relaxed and i'm like okay well then obviously you know they're they're fine with it it's 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 mm-hmm. you know as you said it, it's a world where it's been normalized finally and um, you just go with it, you know. But but I have to admit that that the first few episodes, I myself was there sitting watching it, waiting for that moment to to happen all the time. I was like, when is it going to happen? Oh, they're not going to say. It. Well, you know, like there's. I think it's just because it's so ingrained in our society, in our in our upbringing, that we're always there, you know, waiting for that affirmation from from our parents our peers our friends our colleagues you know we always have that constant waiting you know moment for for being approved almost yeah. you know um and it was so refreshingly um nice to to see this in in Schitt's Creek and yeah they're not hitting you over the head with a message at all it's just no, it's just a no. story about really interesting and funny characters and you know it just so happens that there is there's you know two men get married in it like yeah and that's it and it it just it feels so pure and just so inclusive and it's honestly like it's a series I recommend it to everyone and people sort of start watching it and they're like why are you kind of so obsessed with the show and I'm like it's it's just the fact it's that you know and you keep watching it and you realize and you're like wow this is actually it doesn't seem like it's going to be groundbreaking but it really really is yeah um, so I think we are ready to introduce our guests shortly. Yes, I think they're here. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. 
So we're so excited to be introducing our guests um, and our special guests are Lady Arya Gray and Dale Elena McCready. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited. Um, So, Lady Aria Gray is an award-winning writer, drag queen, and comedian. She moved to the UK in 2017 from South Africa, where she was raised. And her latest projects include a drag comedy series, which she is currently developing, and a one-woman play that she's hoping will make it to the stage. Dale is a cinematographer from New Zealand and moved to London 13 years ago. She has worked on high-end TV and feature projects, working internationally. Her most recent projects include Tin Star, Baghdad Central, and Bulgravia. Lady Arya Gray, welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. And your choice of film is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, yes. which we will be talking about very shortly. Nice to have you here, Dale. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> and uh, your choice is Pose, the TV series. Yes, the fabulous Pose. So let's start with Lady Aria Gray, if that's okay. Um, can you tell us a bit about what made you choose the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Um, well, I must confess that the, the last time I watched Rocky Horror before, I mean, I watched it again a few days ago, mm. but the last time before that that I'd watched it was in, I think, 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I chose it because it's sort of near and dear to my heart and um, sort of has a little bit of sentimental value because my parents I think it was my, my parents first date back in the 70s when it was still back. Um yeah I watched the I watched the original and then I watched the 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 more recent one in 2015 which I'm very glad exists. <laughs> um they updated it in in many important ways. Um but yeah I mean for me I, I chose it because it was the first time I'd ever seen um sort of genderqueer characters that were kind of presented as as cool and fun and mm. um and especially for the song um don't dream it be it which is kind of a you know it can be interpreted as a, a queer anthem of sorts um so yeah that's why i chose it and i'm interested actually because i've not seen the new version oh, um, same here actually yeah you made me yeah so could you could you talk us through kind of what what they've changed? Well, I mean the the script is largely the same. Um, they the cast is far more racially diverse, and they actually have a trans woman mm-hmm. playing um, Frankenfurter. There's also some some scenes that they scenes where in the original Frankenfurter they're I mean quite rapey to be honest. But um, yeah. in the new one they, they played those scenes. The script was the same, but they played them in a different way that kind of changed the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's a lot lighter and less predatory. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, other, other than that, the, the script and songs are the same, you know, mainly from a from position of like casting and things. Mm, yeah, it, I think it is really interesting, the casting for the original, because I, I was the same as you. I watched it, I think it was about maybe 2010 or something that I first watched it. Yeah, and then, I, and then I rewatched it last night um, <laughs> with my partner, and um, and he he was just kind of watching it like, "Wow, this is this is crazy." <laughs> um, but we did sort of talk about, yeah, obviously, sort of lack of diversity in the original cast. But then, obviously, you know, it's back in when is it seventy five? Yeah, seventies. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, 
kind of looking at it now, you can sort of see the issues with it. But, you know, when it was out, I can imagine kind of how much, how kind of amazing it, yeah. it was in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Dale, um, you uh, chose Pose. So um, what made you choose this? Uh, well, it's it's really dear to my heart. I think um, it was a bit of an eye-opener for me to see it. And I really love the um, documentary that it was based on, Paris' Burning, which yes. I saw in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really identify with Paris' Burning at the time. I just loved it as a documentary. I, I kind of saw myself in them a tiny bit, but I didn't really kind of equate myself with their culture at the time. And, you know, time, time's moved on, and I, I sort of went through a bit of a process myself. And... Um, and then eventually came out and, you know, more out, outwardly transgender these days. And um, uh, and then Pose comes along and it, it, it not only is showing that story in a kind of more entertaining, dramatic fashion, but it's also lifting up those cast members who are um, transgender themselves mm -hmm. and transgender women of colour in particular and, and giving them a voice and making it's, it's doing two things at the same time it's promoting the stories of what it's like to live that experience and the family that they had to create themselves there's layers of the ball culture itself which is really this interesting kind of um, making fun of trying to pass in various different ways as yes. a, a person normal in society when maybe you're uh, queerer than that and and then also at the same time giving the actors themselves a profile and the writers a profile that has now led to them going on and doing other work. So there's a amazing representation thing there going on many levels. And transgender person myself, I know the trans person has written that. You know, some of the there's a couple of really big speeches in there that are speaking really clearly to the point of view of someone who walks down the street every day and feels the eyes on them and you know gets attention from men necessarily not necessarily the attention they want, um, uh, and and certainly not followed through in any kind of social outwardly. Uh, mm -hmm visible way um that they might want to admit to and um so yeah I, I really just thought it's it's a great show for that and simply really entertaining so it's not trying to bash people over the head with a view it's mm. making a great entertainment piece of drama and piece of television which is first and foremost i really like entertainment i like go to the movies to be entertained and to be you know enlightening is great yes. but i really want to have fun at the same time so it really ticked all those boxes for me and um and it's got great music as well. It's got beautiful performances. I, loved it. I actually, yeah, I, I yeah. really, I have to say, I, I really got into it pretty quickly. And uh, as I said before, like uh, all of my family then then joined, and we all ended up, you know, yeah, just binge watching one season in like two days. Exactly. Um, I think that's the thing. It's kind of universal. Like it, it is about this group of people, and but it's done in such a beautifully flamboyant way, and it's yeah. it's funny and sad and. Really, it's very moving at times. I think it's, and, a, it's you know, a, a, a celebration and yes, a, yeah. an awakening of, yes, okay, you know, we're shown the New York uh, ballroom scene in the uh, 70s, 80s? Uh, late 80s, yeah, yeah. it's 80, 87, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but it, it, I just find it so uh, still very uh, relevant and, and, and fresh as well because, you know, we are still, um, obviously, society has moved and is improving hopefully you know we, we are you know progressing but but we still have so many obstacles to, to overcome so the same dilemmas that that they're showing in pose i think it's still very relevant now yeah I think, I think i think i think it's absolutely true and i think that it's um the things that those people might have been dealing with in a mm. more private manner at the time are now 
being pulled out into the light a little bit because more mm. people are dealing with them. And I think mm. that's a really interesting thing that it is a better time, despite um, despite the way the media might portray things at times. Um, more recently, it is a better time now to come out and to be trans and be visible and there is much representation and that it's really just kind of building on that and and pushing it a lot further i think that's really wonderful especially for women of color i think it's you know you're seeing yes. so it's it's written and run by women of color it's acted mm -hmm. mostly by women of color it's yeah. um really fantastic for that yeah. yeah no the the cast and and the and the directors and writers are all um phenomenal and i think actually yeah. did make history right i think it was the first time that it was like there were at least uh, five uh, transgender actors. In, yes, in Pearls, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and so, two major writers as well. And, two major writers, yeah. And now both of those writers are have deals of their own to then mm. cre continue to create more work. More so you know, it's really lifted up those people. MJ Rodriguez, the, one of the actors, she has gone on to do. Uh, she's got a great singing voice as well, and she's actually gone on to do. She does, little, yeah, little Shop of Horrors. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, she's done a, a lane in Little Shop of Horrors, which is traditionally this incredibly high, has this amazing song in it, and she sings really high. And she's done it as a live show and done it in a lower register and actually made it fantastic. Mm. And it's, you know, just shown her talent as well. So it's quite brilliant. Yeah. What did you think, uh, Lady Aria of Pose? Did you enjoy it? I, I watched the first four episodes and I'm absolutely hooked. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I had watched the first episode um i think about a, about a year ago um but I, I i often don't like get into tv i sort of have to force myself to watch tv um and so you know i can have to give it a few episodes before it really hooks me and i gave it a few more now and i yeah i'm absolutely in love with it um mm. i sort of i follow mg mj rodriguez from instagram but so before i before i watched pose and i i had seen her sing on instagram and i sort of thought of her as as a singer and then she oh, great. Yeah. doesn't actually even sing well she hasn't sung yet i don't know if she does later but um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah she does um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i love it um i mean from a drag perspective you know paris is burning is is quite often touted as like the primary reference for rupaul's drag race at least from rue mm -hmm. so it informs a lot of a lot of drag culture as well, so I can really appreciate it. Um, and Dale, what do you think of um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Well, I mean, yeah, it's something that's always been there in my life in some ways. You know, like mm. uh, I've, I'm, it was um, written by a New Zealander, and um, it's it was something that used to play every two weeks in in Auckland where I grew up. Um, oh, really? <laughs> one of the cinemas would play um, Pink Floyd's The Wall one weekend and the next weekend they would play Rocky Horror or sometimes mm -hmm. they added Blues Brothers in there. And so it sold out and was played as a regular event that you would go to, you know, for years and years and years as I was growing up. So it was just one of those things you went to do every now and then. You went to do the Rocky Horror Picture Show and, yeah. you know, have a jump around and laugh and 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 sing along and things. So it's it's an amazing cultural thing that that's sort mm -hmm. of always been there and then spilled over into other areas with um there's a great scene in Fame where they go along to Rocky Horror Picture Show, and yeah, it's one yeah. of those characters' exposure to a more queer world, and and it changes him. And I think you know that's something we shouldn't underestimate with that that particular thing. Is it's again a piece of entertain entertainment mm -hmm. that sort of slips in this other world for people who wouldn't otherwise have seen it. And and I think that's really wonderful, you know. Yeah, it's had it kind of has so many references, doesn't it? Like there was like a whole Glee episode about it. It it really it kind of is such a such a huge cult 
classic. Which it's, it has a recurring, recurring narrative of like eliciting shock and kind of exposing people to subcultures that they wouldn't Mm -hmm. I mean, it does that in, in Glee as well. And it's sort of, that seems to be a, a repeating theme with it. Mm. Yeah, what I was, uh, it was actually interesting because when I started watching All Our Choices, I then realized um, that I'd been, you know, obviously throughout the history of filmmaking, uh, you know, films have changed, have evolved, you know, in, in the last episode, we talked about mental health and we we're talking about how, you know, it's always been portrayed as some psycho crazy guy going out in the middle of the streets, you know, killing everyone. And no one ever addresses, you know, uh, uh, depression or, or, or other um, mental health uh, problems. And, and I think um, the saying can be maybe said about um, uh, uh, queer uh, films um lgbtq plus stories um on on screen i mean um you know i was just kind of made a little list of of some films which um you know i thought were quite important uh, for me like i i could really see the shift but like if we look back at you know history uh, yes we have paris is burning uh, uh the 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 rocky horror um picture show uh, uh portrait of jason blackbird um all About My Mother, Moonlight, um, which I loved, uh, Philadelphia, which was probably the first film I've ever watched um, uh, when, you know, you have a, a gay couple on screen. And it was, uh, I think, shown in a very um, human way rather than, you know, um, other films that would always portray that. Uh, Tomboy. Uh, Tangerine, The Kids Are All Right, uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which I haven't watched, but I was told is very good, and uh, Love, uh, Simon. So um, I don't know, I was just looking through this list and I realized, wow, you know, uh, films have changed, <laughs> history is, uh, you know, moving, and, and I think society now is is shifting as well. I mean, what what, what do you think? um dale do you think like if we look back i think i mean now. i think you, you could you could add another example to that very recently on netflix um the um the old guard with the charlie Theron kind of action movie okay. um has a oh, yeah. the central yeah. pair there's a central love story in a, a, a two gay men and they're, mm -hmm. they've loved each other for thousands of years and there's a fantastic speech in there where the, where um some kind of uh militant cop characters kind of go uh, the 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 two men, two men are talking to each other they're like huh, you you're on a date or something you know they're kind of trying to make fun of them and the guy turns around yeah. and says I love this person more than life itself and has this really long speech about how yeah. much he feels for this person and makes the cops look really stupid and it's really interesting because it sort of turned the tables on the kind of then then making fun of them for being gay yeah. and sort of saying no no you're you're the crappy one for being uh, so ignoble to not recognize our love and it's amazing how it's sort of I, I love watching that and I was like, wow, that's just like, they're just two men that love each other and that's not a, it's not a big thing. Then they yeah. made fun of it if it was made into a big thing, you know, and it was, mm. it's really interesting that to do that in a, in a blockbuster action film, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. like very, it's, that seems very kind of groundbreaking. <laughs> Lady Aria Gray, do you want to talk a bit about the series that you have in development? Seems like a good time. Sure. Okay, so um, it's a it's a I guess I would call it a drag comedy series. Um, it is 
set in a parallel universe where drag is the natural state of being. So um, they don't think of themselves as being in drag, but everyone is in drag 24 <laughs> seven. Um, and it's set in a fashion magazine. So it's kind of a mashup of, you know, all of the famous fashion stories you can think of, like Ugly Betty and Devil Wears Prada and Ad Fab, and it kind of references all of those things. Um, but it's, you know, it's its own new story. Um, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the premise. Um, I wrote two episodes of it, and then the script of the first one won an award and got a, a development deal off the back of that. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm rewriting the pilot at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still working on a new outline. Uh, so yeah, it, it's not guaranteed to be made yet, but if the rewriting process goes well, then it might be. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, and can you sort of tell us a bit about what sort of what's motivated you to write that and, and kind of what's inspired you? Yeah. I mean, I just, I wanted to write something that felt like, so that sort of had the pace of 30 rock and, and shows like that, but with, uh, but with drag characters and is kind of about drag culture and the and the way it's heading with a a little bit of a critical eye on some aspects of it but um trying to retain the i mean it's it's funny throughout i don't want it to be like heavy-handed mm -hmm. it's yeah. very funny <laughs> <laughs> but i remember you saying um sort of at the awards um yeah it was kind of the the lack of representation of drag that we've seen on screen well, yeah, I mean, obviously, all this comes back to RuPaul's Drag Race. And I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race mm -hmm. is such a, it's such a fantastic and, and important show. Um, there are, you know, the, the, there is sometimes, I think there's a little bit of a gap between what RuPaul's Drag Race thinks it does and says it does for like representation and inclusivity in drag and what it actually does. Because there's a large section of the of drag that isn't represented on Drag Race. Which deserves well deserves to be represented in the same way, you know. It, the show doesn't really doesn't allow drag kings um, and mm -hmm. cast a lot of trans performers. Um, it doesn't allow, well, it hasn't featured yet, uh, you know, what they might call a bio queen or like a you know, a female drag queen. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there there are issues with it. It's it's difficult to like love the show as much as I do, but still. I think when, when when you love something uncritically, then it becomes, you know, dangerous. I agree. Lady Ari Gray, you have a really interesting YouTube video on drag. Oh, the I, I made a, a YouTube series a few years ago called yeah. Ari, uh, Lady Aria Gray Explains, where I explain yeah. academic and social justice concepts to ignorant people with diagrams as if they're third graders. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of, I made that series uh, mostly as a way to start having discussions with like political discussions with my parents and and like you know I was picturing my friends with my parents when I wrote it um as a kind of as a way of like easing into those conversations gently because I found it with a lot of people of my parents generation when you start trying to have those conversations they shut off yeah so yeah I I made a, a 10 episodes of YouTube series a few years ago. I, I don't think all of them have aged well. So if you watch them now, please watch with caution. I, I mean, the terminology has changed on a lot of the issues I spoke mm -hmm. about and um, and things like that. But yeah, there are definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm proud of the whole I'm proud of the whole series. There are definitely a few episodes in there that are better than others. 
I found it. I found um, I watched the one explaining drag, and I I thought it was really really interesting and really okay. useful. Um, so I would yeah. advise listeners, um, kind of if they want to know more, I think that's a really good, a really good useful place to go. Yes. Um. So uh, to pick up on this, uh, Dale, if you could make a film about uh Pride, what what would happen? <laughs> uh, so if like your your maybe ideal film, what what would you like? to see on screen that that you think has not been shown yet or maybe it's not shown in the right way uh that's i mean that's really interesting i i for me the end game of pride is to be showing people's stories and it being an absolute non-issue that they happen to be mm. queer or you know or that they're trans and um yeah I, I mean i think the representation really matters to be making trans stories and queer stories uh, and visible and and producing them but actually yeah, i'd really love i really love seeing things where that's just not actually the, the fundamental thing that the story mm. is actually about that character's other narrative and other plot going on and they just happen to be uh queer you know that that, that would be great and yeah i i'm starting to glimpse that already you no know, i think that's really good and but yeah i mean it, it's an interesting one because i don't i don't look at stories from that point of view funny enough i've mm. always kind of just watched having always been a massive fan of film and television since I was a little, um, pretty much growing up in front of a television really. And, um, you know, I, I sort of haven't sought out queer stories myself, um, directly. I've kind of always, it's always just been another part and parcel of things, but, um, yeah, I mean, I would just, I would really hope to be making things even today that, um, that there are just more more characters involved, you know, and, and different stories being told and and different perspectives. Because I think the more points of view that we ha- we see in our television and our film, um, the more representation, the the better it is. I mean, um, there are just so many beautiful stories that are untapped at the moment as well. That I think yes. you know we we t- do tend in the tel- television industry in particular to to reuse the same storylines and tropes kind of mm-hmm. over and over again, and and they are based on very kind of heteronormative characterizations of people so um i think it's there's just a joy in in an amazing depth to be mined of storytelling mm. that we haven't really tapped into so much yet and and i think everyone's story is kind of um there for the taking um you know or for the uh, en- enrichment of everyone else um so yeah i think uh i mean i, I have my own personal things you see i like i would love to make a really great sci-fi movie if they happen to be trans characters in it then all the better but no, um you know cool. so but it's I, but yes. for me, the predominant thing is I. But want you're to make right, the they aren't, are they? Yeah, they, well, there have been a few in some more recent things, and it's quite nice yeah. to see. And even played by trans people, there's a Canadian. I can't remember what it was called now, but there's a Canadian telefeature sci-fi thing I saw recently mm-hmm. that happened to have one of the characters was trans. It was quite low budget, so it didn't actually mm-hmm. come across that well just because of that reason. But yes. um, but it was nice to see all the same, you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean the. I, w- I just can't really say enough about representation or visible presentation of people helping. I mean, mm. if I'd seen something like Pose when I was younger or even, um, you know, even Bessie would have been a really good example as well, actually, even when I was younger. And just to see these characters on screen in a, as people, fully fully fleshed out people where they happen to be queer, but not that wasn't the defining characteristic of that yes. character, mm. which I think is the problem is that for a long time it was always like that was the the gay character and that was the trans character yes. you know and yeah. particularly yeah. in trans circles was always kind of a tranny or or kind of a streetwalker or something like that it wasn't mm-hmm. or, or something to be laughed at um as, as faintly ridiculous instead of being a, a person 
Um, you know, had I seen that when I was in my teens and twenties, I, I, I would have probably pursued transition far earlier, and that would have been great yeah. for me, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a, I did it now because it was easier, and that's that's really telling, I think. <laughs> no, it is, and, and that's yeah. why I liked Bessie as well, by the way, because I think it does show. You know, it, it's not the 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 center point of of, of the story. She is bisexual, yeah. but you know, she just you know, it's part of who she is, and and that's it. Like we're not, you know, it 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 doesn't become the the center. Uh, yeah, of, I love that. That was it was just there, and it was quite nonchalant in the respect yeah. that it sold that story, that part of her character, yeah. and it also that set up something really interesting in the movie too. Is that I was watching it, or the Chalifi show, was that it it opened up the possibility that if anyone could have had a relationship with anybody else in some ways, you know, like it didn't, mm. it was such a non-issue that it was like, oh, that's yeah. just what happens. Sometimes people want to be with women. Sometimes they want to be with men. And yeah. it doesn't really, it felt like the borders until it dissolved away by doing that in such a, an interestingly simple way that it just yeah. opened up poss more possibilities for what could happen in that story. And I thought that was really lovely. Um, mm. Yeah, it was re I really enjoyed it actually. It was really interestingly made as well. Mm. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so if you white actors in it too which is kind of cool <laughs> it's, a it's a really good black one <laughs> yes yes true true yes no it was a good yeah, film i loved it on the point yeah. of, um, of trans representation in in film and tv uh, um have any of you watched uh disclosure on netflix oh yes <laughs> oh, hold on a minute. It's well worth seeing if you haven't seen it. It's yeah, a documentary. It's a documentary. Yes, it's on my list. Yeah, and oh, it is. It yeah. is about um, media representation of of transgender people uh, through history and and being kind of commented on by the trans community, uh, trans actors and producers and writers. Now, yeah, it's quite it's quite brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it really was. I got quite emotional watching it. <laughs> yeah, there's one there's one point near the end there, isn't it? It's described, and you're just it's quite quite a tearjerker actually because it's just yeah. seeing how this per one person was affected by seeing you know certain things and then and then there's a quite hopeful note to it as well as, as yeah. these are the people who are changing it which is really yeah. wonderful you know it's really informative like uh, there are so like so many um images that you you kind of subconscious like that are subconsciously ingrained into your mind as far as you're aware are subconscious mm. are actually mm. put there through repeated images that have featured in in film and TV for years and years and years, and that you know kind of brings to light the way that we are coded to certain things. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think that you know particularly disclosure shows you that you know from my point of view, some of the things that we're talking about in some of the old shows, I I remember watching them, and and mm. actually even you know as a trans person myself, I you kind of bury these things so much because it's it's been presented to you in a negative manner in such a in such a long time and so often yeah. that you just don't equate yourself with that at, at all you just kind of like squash it and it was really interesting to reveal, show them and I was like oh my god I remember that oh I remember that too I remember that oh mm -hmm. and I, I sort of somehow just blocked them out you know yeah. by necessity perhaps but mm. the you know the, I thought the really interesting one was um Ryan Murphy who produced and set up Pose um and it did American Horror Story things. What his one of his big early ones was Nip Tuck, and that was one of the oh, things yes. shown in Disclosure. Yeah. And you know, the big reveal at the end of season one, the big cliffhanger, was that the beautiful woman used to be a man, and it was like dun 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 dun. You know, it was like <laughs> the villain, and and it's like what you know. At the time, I remember thinking. Oh, it'd be great to look like her. She's gorgeous, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, that wouldn't be so bad. But everything else is telling you that it was—it's a terrible, evil thing. And um, 
you know, it's amazing how that producer now is one of the people who is at the forefront of changing things. And he's, he's learned and grown as he's gone along and the the society has really changed. And you can see it in this one producer's career, um, marking that through, um, Mm. that he would never do that now, you know, it just, yeah. It's a really nice thing to know though, isn't it? That it's, it's so good to see this progressive change, like through Mm. the actual filmmakers as well, because, I think there's such a thing, obviously, in the past, like it really has just been about education and people kind of, you know, like saying these really hurtful and harmful things, but kind of without that level of education behind it. Mm. Being you know, just being an accepted yeah. thing, the normal the exactly. normal state of being yeah. is just, a, oh, yeah, of course you laugh at that. That's ha, 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 that yeah. person's gay, whatever. You know, yeah. it's... Um, it, it's funny now you would just go no that's not funny that's hurtful mm-hmm. um yeah and it, but it, you still see it on twitter and things obviously you got to c- kind of call people out now and then you think well there are still a lot of people that think it's really funny to laugh at people for being different mm-hmm. <laughs> but um yeah. less and less which is good yeah it's interesting that uh the documentary as well because um that had laverne cox in it didn't it mm. yes um yeah. and i think for me actually orange is the new black was a really a kind of a really important series do you do you agree? Yeah, I, and I think particularly just for promoting her because mm. I think she has been an amazing person outside of the series as well. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. But putting yeah, putting putting a trans character in a popular television show in the states where a lot of people see it, you know, and running num- many many seasons is yeah. a fantastic is an amazing achievement. And then it's yeah, it's given her the power to then be vocal about her life and and who she is and that. It affords her a certain protection, which I think is really wonderful, that to then be able mm. to speak further, which, you know, maybe she wouldn't have been able to do before she gained that popularity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure about India Moore and MJ Rodriguez from Pose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned earlier, but in, in the new updated Rocky Horror from a few years ago, Laverne Cox is who plays Frankenfurter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh. oh, I need to watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my name, but I, I should have I just said a, a transformer. But yeah, that's, that's Laverne Cox. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't believe I don't know about this new version. Where, yeah, it, where am I? Where have I been living? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, same I, here. I, I back to back. It was watching them directly after each other. Um, I think, I don't know what, what it was on. I think it might have been on Amazon Prime or something. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing the, the announcement of her casting a few years ago and thinking, oh, that's a great casting. And then mm. yeah, it was great to watch them back to back. Amazing. I definitely need to watch that. How do you think that the film and TV industry can help to reduce stigma on this? Uh, well, yeah, I think that as we've been talking about, the idea of visible characterization of, uh, of, difference, of difference uh, being put in, in front of people just is incredibly important. I think just... Uh, every- a heteronormative person seeing um, a queer character on screen and understanding that that is a person, a human being with, you know, ambitions, feelings, pain, joy, uh, is really, it's just wonderful just to destigmatize and normalize different um, lifestyles and, and um, identities, I think is, is, is just undeniably important. Um, and, it, you know, it goes to, from my point of view, it also comes behind the camera as well. I think the more we see those things on screen, the more people we're starting to see even mm. behind the camera in the industry too and more openly um that's more acceptable you know the culture in making film and television has often been extremely extremely um white 
male kind of heteronormative as well. And that, that is changing too. I'm seeing that with my crews and, and on set and with writers and producers and things. It's, it's a much more accepting world and there's less putting up with um, making fun of, of the, the differences in identities now. And um, yeah, I think that's all good. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Lady Ari Gray? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've spoken a lot about representation, and I think that's the the main one. Just you know, more more positive representation of queer identities in film and TV. Um, also, not being afraid to engage in meaningful ways with mm. these issues. So I think a lot of the time, um, you know, queer storylines will get will get glossed over or included, but not really in a, in a meaningful way. Or I think I think also that um, you know, we we're, we're not just talking about a kind of a, a polished bubbly version of these characterizations either you know i'm happy to see a trans person be the villain but i want them to be a villain because they're a nasty person not because they're trans yeah um you know so 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 it's a more rounded a rounded sort of version of of our characterizations amazing yeah yeah i agree thank you so much uh lady aga gray and dale for joining us today and sharing with us your incredible life experiences and stories and and views yeah thank you so much i mean this is our second podcast so far and you guys you've both been just really really inspiring and i'm so glad that you came on thank you so much thank you so much for having me yeah Yeah, pleasure thank you very much it was really fun Uh, and we'll be putting um all of your links and show reels and websites and and the shows that we've discussed today um on this episode we'll be putting it um down in our comments so um keep an eye on that everyone (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.